we're looking forward to that here this evening uh, over at Old Union. And, uh, and we pray for David, uh, Brother Swindle, as he comes to bring the message tonight. And uh, Brother Swindle is a very accomplished preacher. And, uh, and in that regard, he certainly you know, doesn't stand in need of our prayers, but he's experienced a lot over the last few years. And, uh, and, and I would say Brother Swindle has at times found it very hard to find anything to be thankful about it sometimes. But I know Brother Swindle. And I know Brother Swindle can see through a lot of the things that we would look at and say, geez, why would you want to pray somebody who would allow those things to happen? You know, God's God in the good times and he's God in the bad times, isn't he? We praise him on the mountain and we praise him down in the valley. And Brother Swindle knows that. So let's just remember Brother Swindle as he comes to preach tonight. And I would like to use uh, Thanksgiving as... Uh, it's going to be a portion of my subject today, and, and I kind of wrestled with what kind of what kind of title to give it. I'm going to be taking my scripture reading out of Second Chronicles chapter 24, and I'm going to start in verse 11. Second Chronicles chapter 24, beginning at verse 11, uh, and we'll get into a title here in just a minute, but we'll go ahead and start there. Now it came to pass that at what time the chest was brought into the king's office by the hand of the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, the king's scribe and the high priest's officer came and emptied the chest and took it and carried it to his place again. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. And the king and Jehoiada gave, gave it to such as did the work. Uh, that did the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord, and also at such as wrought iron and brass to mend the house of the Lord. So the workmen wrought, and the work was perfected by them, and they set the house of God in his state and strengthened it. And when they had finished it, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, whereof were made vessels of the, for the house of the Lord, even vessels to minister, and to offer withal, and spoons and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. And Jehoiada waxed old, and was full of days when he died. And hundred and thirty years old was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and toward his house. Now after the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah and made obsessance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them. And they left the house of the Lord God their, of their fathers and served groves and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this, their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord. And they testified against them, but they would not give ear. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, 
the priest, which stood above the people, and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord, that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him, and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done done to him, but slew his son. And when he died, he said, The Lord look upon it and require it. And it came to pass at the end of the year that the host of Syria came up against him. And they came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the princes of the people from among the people and sent all the spoil of them unto the king of Damascus. For the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men, and the Lord delivered a very great host into their hand, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers, so they executed judgment against Joash. When they were departed from him, for they left him in great diseases, His own servants conspired against him for the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest and slew him on his bed, and he died. And they buried him in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulchers of the kings. And that's where I'd like to stop our reading today. Second Chronicles chapter 24. Down, starting with the 11th verse and reading down to the 25th verse. And that's generally more then I'll read for a scripture reading, but I felt like it was very necessary. Because uh, if I could take one character out of the Bible and say that there, this, that this character is an unsung hero in the Bible, it would be Jehoiada the priest. And now, obviously, that's not the way you pronounce his name in Hebrew because they didn't have the J sound. It would have been Jehoiada. And it would have been more of a Y sound. Uh, and so he would be, and he is, an unsung hero in the Bible. We don't study him very often, if ever, but he is absolutely the embodiment of thankfulness. And I guess if I had to use a title today, I would make that my title, The Embodiment of Thankfulness. Uh, you know, this is the time of year that we always bring to the forefront of our mind the need to give thanks. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you right now, in Jehoiada, you've got a role model. <laughs> you've got a role model, and you've got somebody that you can look after. And one of the reasons that I don't think we really touch on him very much is because you won't read where he did anything supernatural. You won't read where he stood on Mount Carmel and prayed to God and God rained down fire to consume the sacrifice and the wood and the water that had been poured on it and that had filled the trench around it like with Elijah. You won't read about how uh, Naaman uh, came to Jehoiada and Jehoiada said, go dip yourselves in the river Jordan seven times uh, and you'll be cured of your leprosy. You won't read about how he stood on the top of Mount Sinai and God visited with him and gave him the law. He's just a guy. All the days of his life served 
God, even when even when you can look at it and say that he had an argument and a case not to do it. He did it. And before we get into looking at him, we're going to look at another character here that is right alongside him. And it's somebody that we generally think of positively, don't we? And that's Joash the king. It's Joash who had uh, put the chest out uh, or commanded as king to put that the chest would be placed there and that the monies would be brought and placed in the chest. And as we read day by day, they took that money in and they, they took that money and they hired the, uh, uh, the carpenters and the masons and uh, those that were workers of iron and brass so that the house of the Lord could be repaired because uh, the, the person who was uh, in power before him, uh, who, who took power by might and took it by blood, was uh, Athaliah, is how we would say her name in the English Bible. Um, but uh, uh, Athaliah, had, she had seized power by violence, by means of violence, and she had killed all of uh, all of Joash's brothers, uh, and she had killed, uh, you know, all of them so that she could, uh, be the sole source of power in Israel in those days. But, uh, but Joash was hidden away for seven years. And Jehoiada knew that Joash was hidden away for seven years. And we read here where Joash himself, Joash was consenting unto the death of Jehoiada's son. And so we think about Jehoiada being the embodiment of thankfulness. Well, if we read, in, in, in this, you, it's also in, in Chron, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 24. We'll, I'll touch on both of them. But in 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 2, uh, it says this of Joash. It says, And Jehoash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all his days. Now, of course, we read about the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. Israel never had a king where it was said, and this was after the split, but Israel never had a king where it says that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Jeroboam established Israel in their idolatry, and under idolatry they remained up until the day that they ceased to be a country. But Judah would have fluctuations, wouldn't they? They would have a king that did evil in the sight of the Lord and would set up the groves in the high places, and then they would have one that would come behind them and did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And sometimes they would take away those high places, and sometimes they wouldn't. Uh, but uh, either way, uh, there's a few instances, and Joash is one of them where a caveat is made as it pertains to his service to God as king. And we read here in 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 2, And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all of his days. Uh, and 2 Chronicles 24 says, And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days. Now, there's the caveat here. In both instances, we go to 2 Kings. All of his days, wherein Jehoiada the priest instructed him. And in 2 Chronicles, it says, all the days of Jehoiada the priest. And so the righteousness of the reign of Joash is really credited to Jehoiada the priest, isn't it? Because he was such an influence 
in the land. And we read about how what a great influence he was uh, in uh, uh, down here uh, when we talk about the uh, the the princes. Uh, as we come on down a little further, we'll get down here into it, where the princes uh, would go and uh, and they sought out the ear. They sought out the ear of uh, the king. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. We're going to touch on Joash here first, because Joash, this is somebody who should have been so grateful uh, to Jehoiada, the priest, for everything that he had done for him over the course of his kingship. It was jo- it was Jehoiada, the priest, who stood and made the plans uh, to undermine the, the authority uh, on the false rule of Athaliah. Uh, the queen. And so here he does as he sets this up and he knows that Joash has been hidden away. And when he's seven years old, he has, he has Joash brought into the temple. And everything's put in place and it is the pronounced that Joash is king. And Athlea, and I'm just going to paraphrase a lot of this, Athlea comes in and she sees Joash and she starts shouting out treason, treason, but the treason occurred when she took the reins of power. And she she suffered the death of treason, didn't she? And she just as she had killed a lot of his brothers, she died. And Jehoiada the priest is the one who gave the sentence that she would die. And so he established, he helped establish Joash as king. And so here in Joash, you would think this is a guy who would look at Jehoiada and not just him, but his whole house with such favor and regard that he would never ever do anything against them. Uh, but we see here uh, some symptoms, don't we? Uh, arising, and there are symptoms of an ungrateful heart. You know, this is the time of the period, this is the period of the year we kind of wrap our minds around giving thanks. I saw the invitation uh, that uh, uh, that old union put out there on Facebook, and it said thanks right at the top of it. And this is the year that we generally bring that to the forefront of our minds. This is something that should have never left the, the forefront of Joash's mind as it pertains to that relationship that he had. With uh, with Jehoiada, and we see at the end of 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 of, of Jehoiada's reign, really, how that he had uh, how that he had Zechariah killed, and Zechariah. Zechariah didn't seek out any vengeance, did he? And we read in this 22nd verse here that he said when he died, he said, the Lord look upon it and require it. In other words, he said, the Lord will requite thee, Joash, for this thing that you have done. And God did just that. He, Joash invited upon himself and his whole country the wrath of God, didn't he? And God sent it in the form of the of the Syrians and the Syrian army and not even a great army that came in and took them but it was a small army of the Syrians that came in and conquered them uh, and took away a lot of their wealth and so what are some of those symptoms of ingratitude that Joash exhibited because the the 
we read about the princes here. Uh, we read about the princes after the death of Jehoiada, the priest. Uh, it says that the princes came to him in verse 17, uh, and, uh, and they made obsessions to the king. Now what they did was the, they came. Now I believe that when you read about who are the princes here, uh, I believe the princes were the merchant men. <laughs> Uh, because the merchant men were never really very religious. They were more worried about money than they were anything else. Um, they were, they were not, they were tired of the feast days. They would get weary of the feasts of the new moon. And they would say, when are these things going to be passed? Those high holy days where they didn't buy or sell so that we may, uh, we may buy and sell that we may get gain. They would, they were looking for those to go away. When you read in Revelation, who is it that conspires together? Uh, with uh, uh, with the Antichrist. Who was it that John wrote and said that they would conspire together with him and none other than the merchants of the earth? Why? Because temporal things are the main things that matter to them, aren't they? And so they're in direct conflict with the Lord. And so when you read about the princes, these would have been merchant princes. In today's vernacular, we'd say they're CEOs. And you look at some CEOs and they have more wealth than some countries do. Not that it's an envious thing that a person would be uh, prospered by God, that they would have such great substance, but they'll be required uh, for that great substance that they've been permitted to, uh, to, to attain. And so we see here that they come and they make obsessions to the king. And so we see a, a character flaw in Joash here emerge. And that is Joash likes being worshipped as God, doesn't he? Because that's how they are approaching this. They're worshipping Joash as God because they want to, they're venerating Joash and they're, they're giving all their reverence to Joash and they're, uh, they're prostrated themselves before Joash so that Joash will do what they want him to do. And Joash does that, doesn't he? And so while, while, while Jehoiada the priest was alive, Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But as soon as he's gone, uh, other influences come into Joash. And we can see that Joash is really a lot like a reed that's been shaken in the wind, isn't he? Uh, he's the exact opposite of what John the Baptist was. Jesus said of John the Baptist, what went you out to see? A reed shaken with the wind? John knew where he stood, didn't he? And if you're here today and you don't know where you stand with the Lord, the first thing that you got to get square is that. Because was Joash saved? Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's murky. It's murky because look at how, look at, look, he didn't get a king's end, did he? He wasn't buried with the kings. He wasn't honored and reverenced with the kings. Jehoiada was. And so I don't know that you can say yay or nay either way. But I tell you right now, you can see some of the symptoms of ingratitude appearing with Joash, or with Joash. And I'm going to take just a couple of those. Uh, Jeremiah 18.20, shall evil be recompensed for good? That's exactly what Joash did. He recompensed evil to the house of Jehoiada for the good that Jehoiada had done to him all the days of his kingship.
Here in, in the 18th chapter of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is writing about his own experience dealing with this, isn't he? And he says, shall, shall evil be recompensed of good? For they have digged a pit for my soul. And they threw him in that pit, didn't they? But he says, remember that I stood. And this is, and, and not, I believe that these, you could take these words that, 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 uh, that Jeremiah uttered and you could probably apply these exact same words to Zechariah as he was dying. Remember, he looked and he said, the Lord, the Lord look upon it and require it. Uh, you look and read what Jeremiah said in that instance. He said, remember, talking to the Lord, remember that I stood before thee to speak good for them and to turn away thy wrath from them. And that's exactly the same thing that Zechariah was trying to do, was to turn away the wrath of God from them uh, and so that they might once again experience the grace of God or the favor of God. Psalm 109 and verse 5, And they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. And so that's that's one of the key that's one of the key in indicators of an ingrati- of an ungrateful heart, isn't it? And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I mean, I, I really think that at, at some place, in some point, in pr- a period of time, you've got to stop and and you've got to evaluate things, and you've got to say, where is my heart? in all of these matters. Because I think if Joash would have done that, I don't think Joash would have been consenting under the death of Zechariah. But he didn't. And so what's the end result of a, a heart that's uh, in, uh, that's full of ingratitude? Well, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Do ye thus require it, requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath brought that hath bought thee? He hath not hath he not made thee and established thee? You know, who are you to ask of the Lord anything? <laughs> when God's already done, already done everything for you. We can ask, right? Even Jesus said, when you, when you have need, ask of the Father believing. And your Father would, and, and also, how do we ask? We ask in secret, don't we? Sister Sandra, Sister Sandra, we ask in secret, don't we? And the, our, and the Father who hears in secret will reward thee openly, right? And so if, when we have a need, we take that need to the Lord. But it's the way in which you act expect the need to be filled here, isn't it? And in the 32nd chapter of Deuteronomy, it is an expectation. Uh, it is from a position of uh, of uh, ungratefulness that this is made and this statement is made. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish and un, uh, people and unwise? Uh, you know, who, do you think that God just owes you something just for who you are? No, God doesn't owe us anything. But he still sent Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary for every one of us, didn't he? In Nehemiah, it says this, it says, Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee and cast thy law behind their backs and slew the prophets which testified against them to turn them to thee. 
If you're here today and you don't like what's being preached, it's not that it's not being said to make you feel bad. It's being said so that you might turn to the Lord and experience the salvation of the Lord and have the wrath of God depart from your head. Because guess what? In our in our state, as we are when we're born, what abides upon us is the wrath of God and justly. But to turn, but to turn them to thee, uh, but they uh, wrought great provocations in the day of Nehemiah. You could look at Joash, and and you, if you wanted to take Joash and pick up Joash and set him down in the days of Christ, uh, there was ten lepers that Christ cleansed, and one of them turned back and thanked God for it. And Joash, if you were to pick him up, set him down in that day, he probably would have been one of the nine, wouldn't he? Then the fullest fruition, and this is really where the Pharisees failed. They really, they looked at God. They looked at themselves as the sole arbiters and and the and and the ones who were solely uh, worthy of God's grace and God's protection and God's providence and all the things that go with it. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And that's really the utter end, isn't it, of an ungrateful heart. Is it when it presents itself? It's a testimony, isn't it? You see that that ungrateful the the ungrateful way that Joash dealt with the house of uh, Jehoiada, it was a microcosm, uh, and it was a manifestation of really the loyalty which Joash had also not just with the house of Jehoiada but with God. Because the things that we do in this world are often reflections and manifestations of the relationship that we have with God. And that's why I can make the statement about Joash. Was he or wasn't he? I don't know. I don't necessarily think he was. I know Jehoiada was. <laughs> Jehoiada is an example for the church to follow. And I'm going to get into that because why? Remember when Jehoiada is priest. And Athaliah seizes the throne. For seven years he served under her, didn't he? You know, he never ever stopped going or doing what he was. his job was. He continued to feel that day in and day out because his loyalty was not to the crown, was it? His utter loyalty was to God. Besides, she didn't have the crown anyway. She just took and she just seized it for a short period of time. He was never not loyal to the king. As soon as the king was exalted back into his proper place, he was loyal to him up until the day he died, wasn't he? Loyal to him up until the day he died. 
And that's evidenced by his life, isn't it? Just the same way that you can look at Joash and say that Joash's life was a reflection of how grateful and thankful he was to God for the things that had done that had been done for him in his life. You can look at Joash and you can see how much Joash viewed serving God with gratitude and thankfulness, can't you? Just a couple verses and I'll, I'll touch on this. And you say, well, why is it that we should serve God with attitude of graciousness and, 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 and be grateful to Him and thankful to God for everything that He's done? I'm going to try to bring that into perspective. And Jehoiada is a exec, an excellent example of these things. Uh, in Psalm 9 verse 11, Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion and declare among the people His doings. What did Jesus say in the Great Commission? <laughs> right? Let them see your good works that they may worship your Father which is in heaven and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Praise the Lord with the harp and sing unto Him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten, ten strings. When we sing to the Lord, it is a spiritual sacrifice that we offer. And I know we like the kids getting up and singing, and I'm not going to say the kids shouldn't get up and sing, but I'll tell you this, they'll, it, it's better when they know the Lord. <laughs> 67th Division of the Psalms, 2nd and 3rd verse, that, 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 that thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among all nations. If there's a... If there is a remedy to the problems in the world today, it is the salvation of the Lord, isn't it? If you're here today and life has just uh, got you down, I'm going to tell you right now, there is one who can make it bearable. Jehoiada, I'm sure during the reign of Athaliah, Jehoiada experienced a lot of things that tried his soul. But he had an anchor for his soul that held firm all the days of his life. He says, let the people praise thee. Oh God, let all the people. And all means all, doesn't it? Who was Jesus sent to? He was sent to all. That all would be saved. That's the Father's intention. That none would perish but that all would be saved. And being saved, though the gracious heart, give thanks and praises unto God, right? If you're here today and you've been saved, you've got something to thank the Lord for. If you're here today and you're not saved, you've got something to praise the Lord for, and it's this, it's that you've got another opportunity and another day to seek Him for salvation. He hasn't called you home yet, has he? He hasn't, he hasn't demanded account of your life yet. When God demanded account of Joash's life, and Jehoiada wasn't there to be counted as a credit to his life, I don't think it was a very pleasant experience for, jo for Joash. 
What about Hebrews 13 and verse 15? By Him let us therefore offer the sacrifice of praise. You know when you stand up and you give God the glory, you're offering a spiritual sacrifice to God and you're offering a thanksgiving of praise, isn't it? Thank the Lord. <laughs> Set, brother, uh, brother Bulligan, stand and give God the glory, right? My boss in my secular job, he, he, he called me last year in January to go over my review. And the last two years have been really good. And he wanted to give me all the, all the thanks and, and all and everything and all the uh, honor. And and he attends the Southern Baptist Church and he's a, he's been in it a long time. And I asked him, I said, why would you put a stumbling block before me? <laughs> and he said, what do you mean? I said, I don't need you to tell me that I'm good. I said, the only thing you're doing is laying a stumbling block before me. He said, how am I laying a stumbling block before you? Because I don't need your flattery to build up my head to make me think that I'm somebody I'm not because then I'm not going to get this good of an evaluation the next year. And he was like, well, I never thought about it like that. Well, we get in the way when we think we're bigger than what we are, don't we? And that's where Joash really, uh, that's Joash's failure. He liked the veneration of being recognized as God. And it was normal for kings to be worshipped as gods. And it still is in some countries. Go to China, go to North Korea, find out how they look at their deity. But let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. How long should I offer God praise? Until you draw your last breath. Until you die. Thank God for everything that He's done. I was sitting and thinking about this yesterday. Well, I thank the Lord. He's been good to us. And I was thinking about my daughters. And Amy and I made a lot of sacrifices. And we could have taken a lot of trips and we could have done a lot of things. But my kids have never known what it means to not know where you're going to sleep the next night. Well, that is something to thank God over. That's something to thank the Lord for. That you've got that sturdiness and that foundation for you, for their life. A lot of kids don't have that. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. Boy, we should stand and thank, we should stand and give God praise, shouldn't we? 
I think sometimes we look at that as a Pentecostal thing and we take it to a place where it shouldn't be. Uh, But I'm telling you right now, I think God is glorified. And I believe if you want to feel the Spirit of God manifested, it really gets manifested. Uh, You want preaching to be powerful. Preaching doesn't come from one person flowing out. I'll tell you right now, you can preach with a lot more power in a congregation of people that stand and thank God for what He's done in their life. You want to look back at the old days and we want to look at the preachers from the old days and say they were more this or they were more that. I'll tell you what, they had a lot more they were working with in some instances. I'm thankful for what I've got here to work with at this church, a faithful church and a church that thanks and worships God. But I'm telling you, this day and the age that we live in, the world is infiltrated in great ways. Uh, it's taken our attention away from God in so many ways. And, and I'll tell you right now uh, that uh, uh, it's made it very, it's made it a struggle, hasn't it? It's hard to work and serve God when He didn't get His praise. And that goes for the preacher too. Keep your keep your flattery. If you get something out of the sermon, just thank the Lord for it. That'll be way better to me than anything else. But you may say, I need something else. What else should I what else is what else? I mean, really, what else do you need to be thankful to God for? But you may say, well, what else have I got to thank God for? He saved my soul. He didn't just save your soul. He did much more than just save your soul. Peter wrote about it. You're not just a sinner saved by grace, even though you are. You're a chosen generation. Wait, isn't that something to be thankful for? You're a chosen generation. God chose you. You're a royal priesthood. Not after the order of the Levites, but after a much older order, isn't it? After an order that Abraham himself reverenced. After the order of Melchizedek. A royal priesthood. Our high priest is the king. <laughs> you look at Jehoiada. Jehoiada got a king's death, didn't he? You know, that is, an, uh, a, that is a, a type of, uh, of Christ, if you will. Uh, the chief priest and the king, uh, and, and a king's recognition at death. But you're not just a royal nation. I think we sell ourselves short as the church in so many ways today. And, and, uh, and let the thankfulness that we have to God, let it come to light what we really are. And that is a holy nation. You see, I might be a citizen of the United States of America by birth, uh, but you know what? Uh, by natural birth, I'm a citizen of heaven by spiritual birth. Amen? And this little church that's here is a manifestation of that kingdom here on earth. 
Now, one day we'll gather around the throne in heaven. It's going to be a, it's going to be a day that I don't even want to place an adjective to it because there isn't an adjective in the English language that can adequately describe what it's going to be like to be gathered together, all the redeemed of God around the throne in heaven and Christ our Savior standing there and we sharing in His glory. And the only difference is the marks that were required. For us to be there. Because the one that sits on the throne will have those. He'll have the marks that were required for us to be able to be there. But you're a holy nation. Boy, ain't it? I, I mean, I hear people talk all the time about, I'm thankful to be an American. I'm thankful to be from the United States of America. Well, I'm thankful to be a part of the kingdom of God. It's a little part. But I'm a part of the kingdom of God, and I'm so thankful for it. I'm a citizen of that nation. And we might turn, sometimes look at this word with a negative light nowadays, but a peculiar people. We don't do the same things everybody else does, do we? We don't follow the crowd we don't do what everybody else is doing just to go along. If something's wrong, we stand our ground and we say we will not do it. Just like Jehoiada, just like his son. The embodiment of thankfulness. But you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises. Well, we want the manifested power of God. We've got to give Him His praise, don't we? Show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Notice His light's not just good, it's marvelous. It's above and beyond anything we can think of as good, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Well, isn't it a thankful thing to know that you have acquired the mercy of God? Amen? Now, the world may not give us a king's burial like they did Jehoiada. But Jehoiada can show us how great our influence can be if we live a life of gratitude and a life of thankfulness, can't we? And in a life of servant of servitude. Because even Jesus said, Let him that is the great among you be a servant, as it pertained to his kingdom. James and John, I believe it was James and John, I may be wrong on that, but maybe it was Andrew. They were the ones who went to God or went to Jesus and said, Let me sit on your right hand and on your left. They wanted to be great in the kingdom of God. Well, you serve God out of a gracious heart, and you're going to be you're going to be notable in his sight. But the influence, the influence that Jehoiada had, and we're going to touch on it right here. We're going to touch on it. Those princes that came to Judah, or the princes of Judah that came to the king, 
dared not to approach him while Jehoiada was alive. Because the people, the people would have never accepted going against Jehoiada the priest. He was held in such great esteem by living a life of gratitude. And so if you're here today and you say, Lord, I feel like I need to be more. What are you willing to give up that you can be more? And if you're willing to give it up, are you willing to give God the praise for it? That's what he wants, isn't it? <clears throat> we, we have Thanksgiving tied around this mindset of being thankful to God for this country, and we should be thankful to God for this country, but I'm thankful to God for a lot more than just a country. That's, gonna, that's, that's terminal. This country is not going to exist into eternity. Brothers and sisters, what we're talking about is a lifetime in eternity. And really, do you even have a lifetime in eternity? <laughs> but that's, that's amusing for another day, right? Be thankful for what God has done for you, even when it's hard. Show forth the gratitude and the praises unto the King. That's our sermon today. If you're here today and you're lost, we would certainly encourage you to seek the Lord for the salvation of your soul. If you're here today and you're saved, serve the Lord with your full heart, not with men's, not with eye service as men pleasers, but serve God and God alone. Brother Williams, if you've got a song.